0: Have a seat. It's fantastic to uh, see you all this morning. Thank you for thank you for braving the weather, the cold, the uh, the break in rhythm. You know, it's always it's always difficult. I feel I feel like it's when you have your kids home on Christmas or Easter break or something like that and then you try and send them back to school and man just the break in rhythms for a few days or a few weeks just makes seems like it just makes things so much more difficult to get up and get going and to get back into that so I'm so glad to see you all this morning thank you for um, thank you for enduring and being patient and persevering and being steadfast and positive over the last um, over the last few weeks, as there's been a you know a number of um, people here who have either tested positive or been exposed to COVID. I'm grateful to say that that everyone is healthy, that um, no one was exceptionally sick, um, and uh, and that we we're, um, we're, we're we're back in it. Um, so, uh, this morning uh, we're gonna we we finished at the end of last month a series on remembering the why. Uh, would encourage you to go back, either on the Facebook page or to our YouTube channel or on the um, on the the app. You can get it on our um, on the. The, what's the thing that you listen to on the app? Not, it's not a blog. You can listen to the sermons from the app. Just listen to the sermons from the app, right? Um, words are hard, okay? Words are hard. Um, but uh, they're in various places um, across our digital platforms, and so uh, take a look at those if you haven't got a chance to see those um, or hear those. And I'm going to take a break for a week or two on preaching in a series before we start up with our our next series and had been asking the Lord this last week um, you know Lord where would you often when I am without a specific thing to preach on like if we're not in the in the steps of a series or something like that my, my prayer um, to the Lord is like Lord what, what do you have to tell your people this week like what is it that you would like to what is it that you would like to say? Because my, my prayer is always is that God would use me and that He would use His Word to speak to us. Um, and so ask Him, Lord, what would you, what do you have to say to your your people this week? And and sometimes um, the voice of the Lord is really clear. And sometimes you know do do the circumstances maybe of our of our church, of our our world, of our community. That, um, you know, the, the witness of the Holy Spirit to my spirit is very strong. That like, okay, um, please address this or please talk about this or communicate this. And, um, and then sometimes it's like, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting at my desk on Saturday afternoon and I'm like, um, <laughs> um, Lord, I don't want to rush you or anything. Um, but you know, I could really stand to hear from you this week. Um, and, 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 and this week was kind of a, a mixture of both having a really good idea what the Lord was saying and also just uh, trying to listen right up until the 11th hour, even to this very moment, right? Uh, because as we were singing that last song, and can you put the verse of that last song up that... uh, Talked about having a childlike heart, Um, and as we were singing that, like, um, yeah, yeah, that one right there. Um, Thank you, Jake. Um, Having, as we were as we were singing that, I, I heard, I heard the Lord, um, I heard the Lord speaking to me and like speaking to us about really about the the simplicity of our of our worship to Him, and and, in, um, and specifically having to do with what we're going to talk about this morning, the simplicity even of our prayer. Um, the, the necessity of um, not, not, not fancy words, not a, not a super spiritual formula, but the, the simplicity of a childlike heart that asks its parents, right? when my when my children ask me for something they ask with the because they're so innocent they don't know any better that I can't just give them whatever they ask for right so like when they ask for something for christmas or they ask for a gift for their birthday they will ask for things that are so out of the realm of possibility right but they have no they have no ability to like to understand that their father can't provide that for them. So they ask in the confidence and the boldness of whatever I ask for, I will receive. Right? And when, when Jesus talks about having a childlike faith, or and when we sing here about like having a, a childlike heart when it comes to prayer, when we approach the Lord in in prayer and we, we speak so boldly and and ask so boldly. Not sheepish. My, my kids never ask something like sheepishly or like embarrassing. Like, oh, I can't believe I'm asking for this, right? No, they ask with boldness and, and confidence that I that I have the ability to provide it for them, and that I and that I I want to provide it for them, and and I I I have to believe that when Jesus talks about the faith of a child, and when uh, that that he's he's stepping on the same type of practical. Truth that we know about our own kids is that when we when we come to Him in, in boldness, we're not we're not accessing um, a relationship that is reluctant. We 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 are accessing our our heavenly Father who both wants to give us good things and has the capability to give us good things. Right? It is not, it is not a there there is nothing outside of the realm. Of possibility when it when it comes to our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so when we approach the Lord, it's important that we that we empty ourselves of any supermature adult understandings, right? And go with the heart of a child. Um, there, um, there are times where uh, as like a spiritual leader or a, a leader of a church or a, a spiritual community. Like, well, I'm the leader, of, I'm a pastor, right? And so I, um, the Lord has given me a responsibility to, to shepherd people and to take that responsibility very seriously. And if you read throughout Scripture, um, leaders in, uh, in Scripture have often come to their people and and called them to something corporately together, meaning, like we 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 live in a we live in a world and we live in a culture that is largely um, individualistic. Meaning, we we apply things to us as people individually, right? Me, my life, maybe my my family or my. My circle. Even when we come, we come here. We come as individuals, and we love each other, and we call each other a family, and brother, and sister, and we have fellowship. But but if we're if we're honest, sometimes it's it's hard for us to break out of an, uh, kind of the individualism of 21st century living to understand that 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 together um, that that we have a corporate identity, not just an individual identi- identity. And if you remember um, a couple weeks ago when we talked about um, God's purpose or remembering the why for the church, we weren't talking about God's purpose for the organization, God's, um, God's purpose for the, for the facility, um, but, that, but that the word used in the New Testament for church, the word that the New Testament writers chose to use for church was the word ecclesia, which which indicated a, a people who were called out from the rest of the world and given, given an identity as the children of God. And so when we, when we come together, and even when we're apart, we're still united together in the Spirit of God by faith in Jesus. But we, but we you and I, us, we have a, we have a corporate identity We have a corporate calling. We have a together with one another. Not an an individual mandate or commission or responsibility or expectation, but that God calls us together and out as one. And so, um, I'm approaching this morning as a... Um, from from the standpoint of us plugging into or accessing part of our corporate identity as the church, and I hope that if that was clear as mud, to bring a little bit more um, clarity for you here in the next few in the next few minutes, okay. This may seem like a silly question, um, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When should the church pray? I heard an always, and I would agree. <laughs> when, when should the church pray? It, it is so, somewhat of a silly question. It is all, also somewhat of um, a serious one uh, over maybe the last few um, weeks or, or, or any time, I would encourage you to say, hey, church, would you pray for this? Say, say, a, say a prayer for that or for, for, for this. We, we often, and, and in, um, understandably so, and, and, and not wrong, we often understand that as, a, um, as an individual task. Right? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that request and I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back into my life and when I sit down and have my time with the Lord or when I'm when uh, the Lord brings it to mind or when I'm driving or when I'm you know um, falling asleep at night I'll remember to, to say a prayer um, for that thing and that's not wrong and I'm not saying that that's that that's not that's not right um, but but what I'm saying is that when that there is a that there is an added dimension to when. Especially in scripture, um, a, a spiritual leader addresses the corporate body and family of God and, and asks them to pray. Throughout Scripture, there have been there are many times where the nation of Israel, where the New Testament church were called to engage in corporate prayer. Meaning not not here's a prayer request, take it to the various corners of your world and pray for it separately at different times or whenever you have a chance. But, but no, uh, family of God, church as one voice under one Lord, one Spirit, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, let us gather together in the unity of the Spirit and in one voice, let us shake the foundation of heaven, so that we are sure that we are heard. And so, these times of of corporate prayer have come for and with different purposes and different, um, different maybe focus, praying for praying for unity to access the like the 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 spiritual unity of having one voice. Sometimes, um, sometimes corporate prayer was done as an act of um, corporate recognition for the necessity of God's presence, um, direction, and wisdom, forgiveness as a as an as a um, confession of repentance before the Lord for a corporate body, like like they the, the the gathering came together to say, for instance, Lord, we as a people have forgotten our first love. We have we have laid aside our first love. We have taken up the task of loving other things first, and and Lord, we repent of that, and together we come together. In, and ask for Your forgiveness so that we may regain our first love. Father, heal us from our brokenness and set us on the right path. And for instance, in 2 uh, Chronicles chapter 7, this is a, um, a, a fairly no, well-known Scripture when it comes to corporate prayer. 2 um, Chronicles chapter seven, um, verse thirteen. This is right after um, Solomon had finished the temple, had finished building the temple, and all throughout the temple process, the Lord was, um, I'm you know of course paraphrasing here, but the Lord was like, well, I mean, okay, build a temple, but just telling you. Um, um, I don't dwell in a temple, I dwell in the hearts of men. If a temple is what you feel you need to worship, build it, but I want to let you know um, it will start you on a trajectory of worshiping the temple rather than the Spirit of God that dwells in the temple. So be careful. And that's something the church today could hear a little bit about as well. Right? Um, and so, um, I guess I'll start at verse 11 here just to give a little bit of um, context, but then we're going to go into verse 13 and 14 of Second Chronicles chapter 7. When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and had succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer. And I have chosen this place for Myself as a temple for sacrifices. Verse 13, When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among My people. So, if the Lord was like, hey, when all of this bad stuff happens, when, when, all, when, when, when stuff starts to come crumbling down, right? Um, Here's what I want you to hear. If My people who are called by My name will humble themselves and pray and seek My face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now I want you to hear. There, there are some things that I want you to hear here, and then I, I, um, I don't, I, I don't want to overdo the point here. That, um, that I, I don't believe, <laughs> I don't believe that God has been punishing us. Okay, and I, and I do not believe that God is calling us corporately to a place of repentance over the wickedness that has come from this place. I want to be really clear about that, okay? What I want to be clear about is that that there are distinct times in the life of the corporate people of God where, where God calls upon the people to pray to Him as a corporate body rather than individuals off in their own places. And that that corporate prayer is meant to affect the corporate life. And that the corporate life has a godly trajectory. And so when God, when God speaks to Solomon here, he's, he's speaking not to tell Solomon, hey, go home and you yourself pray and I'll do my best to address the issues of the nation, right? No, he says, um, if my people who are called by my name, if my, if my, my, will humble themselves, I will heal their land, right? That the, that the whole trajectory of the prayer itself and then the response from God is corporate in nature from the request, from the repentance to the forgiveness and healing. That there, are, that there are times where the people of God must understand the corporate call of God and the corporate response of God in prayer. Now, in a measure of I will say um, candidly, in a measure of, if I'm not careful, it could be shame, um, embarrassment, little, a little bit, uh, but but humi- humility now in this moment, like I confess that I have that I have failed to always lead us strongly in corporate prayer. That I have have not always done this um, in a way that helps us to understand the corporate um, identity and the corporate role of being united in spirit in prayer. Um, To seek God's direction, uh, to seek God's wisdom, to seek God's blessing. To seek to seek God's forgiveness, and that is my responsibility to do that, and I have not always done that. And and in the and in the last, uh, it's always you know, um, God uses a, a a multitude of things to reveal areas in your life where you're. Um, where you're, I guess you could use the phrase, not measuring up, or where you're, um or where he is, you know, trying to, to sanctify you. And in the the last couple of weeks, as um, you all know, we've been communicating it right along that we are in the process of doing a search for uh, an associate pastor uh, to come on staff here. And and several times throughout that search, I have asked you as kind of individuals to, hey, please pray for us. Um, and, and was that wrong for me to say? Well, absolutely. of course it's not wrong for me to say, and I trust that many of you have been praying as, as, as I have been uh, praying as well. But I, but I also um, understand that it um, as a spiritual leader and as a, as a, a shepherd over this over this body and and over this family, it becomes a little uh, it becomes a little lazy of me to say, hey, just go pray, right? Um, without calling us as without calling us to exercise our corporate identity as the people of God by gathering together in the unity of the Spirit to actually pray together. For that, you know, to, to actually pray that God would would reveal corporately His um, uh, w- wisdom would 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 overflow with wisdom in this place that we would um, that we would experience blessing, right? That we would experience um, uh, that we would that we would experience His 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 presence among us, and. Especially over the last week or so, as um, I, I mean, I will I'll, I'll tell you like where we are in the process because like, like it's not it's not secret. We, we had about 30 candidates that applied for the position. Um, we have um, reduced that list down to eight candidates. And this last week, we started to, do like online um, Zoom interviews with them because they're from all over the country, um, and to get to know them um, a little bit a little bit better. And um, it's been a, somewhat of a, a, a grueling process and like just feeling like, oh my gosh, if we just like go at this like from a very professional standpoint of got to get the interview process done, like this is not going to go well. Like we're going to be too tired at the end of the process, to make a decision that we believe is represents godly discernment and wisdom and direction. And so, I've, as I have as I have I have asked you to pray, I've earnestly meant that and desired that. But I've I have sensed an increasing um, I have sensed an increasing desire from God to hear from us as a body. To hear from us as a, as a people united by faith in Jesus Christ, empowered um, for living through the Holy Spirit, moving out on mission to, to, to for us to forge ahead in prayer. To, to shake, um, so to speak, the, the heavenly realms with a united voice in prayer. To, to empty... Literally empty our flesh, empty our fleshly desires through fasting, through corporate fasting, so that we so that we would say no to the flesh so that so we can say so that we can clearly hear um, the Holy Spirit of God speaking discernment and speaking wisdom into us. Now, this is not without this is not without like biblical um, precedent, you know. It's like there's the biblical maxim, like there's from Ecclesiastes, like, there is nothing new under the sun. Right? This is not a new idea. Right? This act of corporate prayer, the the, the body of Christ joining together earnestly in prayer to hear from the Lord, to be moved by Him to ask for direction and wisdom and discernment in a, in a, in a process, or to, or to ask for corporate forgiveness or sanctification. Um, if, we go to, um, if we go to Acts, so Acts is the first book that you will encounter after the Gospels. So if you go to the New Testament, you find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you will hit the book of Acts. And we're going to be just in the first chapter of Acts. And if you, um, for a little context, understand that the 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 body of Christ at this point is at like a critical crossroads. They have just um, Jesus has just ascended into heaven. They are they're on their own, right? Uh, Jesus is sending the Holy Spirit, but their their leader, their Savior, Jesus, has gone. Back to heaven, and so now they are like, if they've ever been in need of direction, if they have never ever been in need of like a clear, um, a clear voice from the Savior, it is now. Um, but they come up against a a situation in which they they feel like they need some wisdom. Acts chapter one starting at verse 12. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, Judas, the son of James. Verse 14. They all joined together constantly in prayer along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Thank you so much, John. And Mary, the mother of Jesus uh, and with His brothers. So, it, like suffice it to say that in the moments, in the moments um, uh, preceding or uh, proceeding after, preceding proceeding, the moments after Jesus left the world, right to go back to heaven, um, you would think that what the what the church did or what the leaders of the church did in those moments was would be pretty critical and instructive for what we should do in moments of critical decision-making um, or as a matter of first course when we really didn't know what else to do. I mean, what the, what the early church reveals to us here and what the disciples reveal to us and what the Mary Magdalene and, and Mary the mother of Jesus and the brothers of Jesus, what they reveal to us is that their their first, their first reaction or their first step after Jesus left was to join together constantly in prayer. It was very clear. and it's not just here in Acts chapter one. I'm going to share with you a, a, a minute in a minute, just a snippet of um, of instances just within the book of Acts where, where the early church gathers together in corporate prayer for a specific reason. They all joined together in prayer. Their, their prayer life was marked, certainly, by an urgency of circumstances, but it is very clear from the rest of the Scripture here, that prayer was not just something that they did when they needed to hear something from God, but it, it became a regular rhythm of their life together. Corporate prayer. It became, a, it became a substantial pillar to the identity of the people of God to gather together in Prayer. Not just situational, but foundational pattern for the ecclesia, for the people called out by God. Now, I told you that I, I would share with you some, some information or some, some, um, some references here, and um, and and you may want to wait till just they're all up on the slides, or we can maybe post these slides to our Facebook later, because there's you know a number of them here. I don't know if you want to write them down or whatever. But other instances within the Book of Acts where the the um, the body of Christ um, um, utilized or or involved themselves in corporate prayer to hear um, from the Lord and. Acts chapter 1, verse 24, they prayed before they went to choose leaders. In Acts chapter 4, verse 31, they prayed, they prayed after persecution for boldness and and great growth happened in the church um, um, right after they prayed. In chapter 6, verse 6, um, they they prayed in the midst of choosing leaders for the work of ministry. And then again, the Scriptures say, great growth accompanied the church. In chapter 9, verse 40, they prayed for signs and wonders to be revealed as a, as a, um, as a, um, a picture of the glory of God, as a proof of the glory of God. And guess what? Great growth occurred in the church after prayer happened. In chapter 10 and 11 in, in the book of Acts, Um, They prayed as the gospel was crossing this cultural barrier from just Judaism into the life of Cornelius and the Gentile church. And then guess what? And then the gospel spread to all the Gentile churches. And guess who benefits from that? You and I and us, right? And everyone that's not Jewish... The church then prayed in chapter 12, verse 12. Together they prayed that Peter would be released from prison. You know how that went. In chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, they prayed before setting aside a church planting team whose name was Paul and Barnabas to go out and plant churches. And that's the reason we have books in the Bible like Corinthians and Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Titus and Philemon and all of these um, instances where 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 Paul was was communicating with the churches that he had he had planted. In chapter 14, verse 23, they prayed before setting aside leaders in the churches. Chapter 16, verse 25, they were praying in prison together as while while they were in prison. That and, and what happened? Prison guards were literally converted to the gospel. In chapter 22, verse 17, they prayed in worship, receiving guidance for ministry plans. In chapter 28, verse 8, they again prayed for signs and wonders. And you could go on throughout the course of the New Testament and see time and time and time again that both Paul um, and other leaders within the church would regularly call the corporate body of Christ together for prayer and things would happen. But I want to go back to chapter 1 here in Acts because specifically in this first example here, um, it is a little um, apropos to where we are. We ended in verse 15. Remember, they had um, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, had just said they all joined together constantly in prayer along with all of the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in verse 15 it says, In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the Scripture had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through the mouth of David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number... And shared in this ministry. So obviously, like they were addressing the situation of when Judas betrayed Jesus, and now they, in terms of their leadership, were without one. Um, it goes through the kind of uh, the rest of the commentary on the situation, right? And then down in verse twenty-one, it says this: Peter says, "Therefore, it's necessary to choose one of those who has been with us." the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. What was happening here? The early church was um, on a, uh, in a process of choosing who would be who would replace um, Judas in the group of disciples. And they had some qualifications for who this person could be or couldn't be. They had to be with them from the very beginning, so all throughout the ministry of Jesus. They had to be a witness to the resurrection of, of, of Jesus. Right? So they, they, they had their own list of qualifications. Qualifications. They had their own, like, okay, this is who it can be, and this is who it it doesn't have to be. Okay, so we have these guys now, we have these these people who, 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 who make these qualifications, who meet these qualifications. Now what do we do? Verse 23, so they proposed two people, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. So they had two people, right? That kind of they were with them throughout the whole ministry of, of Jesus. They were personal witnesses, apparently, to the resurrection of Jesus. So they fit their they fit their qualifications. Well, what next? Do you do you pick the one that interviews the best? You know, do you pick the one that fits the culture the best? Do you pick the one that's the most qualified and experienced? Who has the best family background? Do you pick the one that? How, how do you make the How do you make the decision? Right. That, that, that's a big. That's a big question, right? How do you make the decision when you have these two, like, whew, two candidates here, right? <laughs> right, verse 24, freaking love this, okay? We're doing this, right? Yeah, no, we're doing this, right? Um, verse 24, right? Then they prayed, then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart, show us which of these two you have chosen. <laughs> what? What? Like, that was easy. <laughs> right? Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. Isn't it incredible um, the simplicity, the childlike heart of the disciples? to say, Lord, would you just show us? Would, I mean, would you just show us whom, whom you have chosen? We see, we see the qualifications. We see that they, that they check all the boxes. Yeah, we, we see that, Lord. But, Lord, whom have you chosen? Whom have you chosen, Lord. Now I will. I will say this. I will say this um, with some balance here. Is this? Is that like um, the people that God chooses are not always the people that we would choose. They're not. All, they're actually very rarely are they the most qualified. Very rarely do they have the most experience. Very rarely are they the people that the world would choose, right? But always they are the people that God would choose and be like, yeah, no, it's that one right there. Yeah, well this person's gonna do it, right? Now I don't know how to like I I, I don't know what God's algorithm on that is, right? Like I don't and I'm not about to I'm not about to try and figure it out. But what I but what I do know is that he knows whom he has chosen. All right? And then listen, I want I also I want you to hear this because this is important, okay? I also want you to know that God entrusts his people with a significant amount of responsibility and freedom to choose whom they have discerned in the best expression of their faithfulness is the right fit for the job. Okay? Because what they happen what happens here in Acts is that is that they pray, Lord, show us whom you have chosen. And then it seems they do something really strange. And then they cast lots. And the lots and the lot fell to Matthias. So um what's the deal there? Like So let's let's talk about this for a second, okay? Because I think we get this we get this like witch doctor feeling about casting lots. Alright? And that's not exactly what's going on here. Um, so, in a lot of instances in um, ancient culture and in Jewish culture as well, um, they, they believe that God... Crazy idea, I know, but they believe that God was in charge and sovereign over everything. You know? And that... Um, And that there, that 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 there was no way that God would like um, allow something to happen in like a situation like this without His direction or or guidance. So what is it? What did it mean to cast lots? Well, there's kind of lots of different examples, but often what they would do is they would take small stones and they would, you know, like okay, put a mark for Matthias and put a mark for justice, you know, put a mark for this guy or a mark for this guy. We're gonna put them in a bowl or a cup. We're going to shake them. We're going to pour one out and the, the one that falls out is the one that God had de- has determined is the one. Yeah. Spiritual Yahtzee. <laughs> now, now that sounds, that sounds like, oh, how could they do such an unspiritual thing? Right? But, but understand, like, they're, they're not speaking of casting lots in a negative manner here. Nor is there any indication that they're like, well, God doesn't know what He's doing, so let's, let's, ask, the, let's ask the witch doctor which one we should do and we'll dump some bones out of a cup and we'll pick that one. No. Like, it was, it was um, a reasonable expression of what they believed and how they believed god would direct them to the right person okay it is no more and no less spiritual than a church doing a bunch of zoom interviews with candidates right to interview and analyze and kind of discern who would be best well geez that's awfully unspiritual like well what do you expect like, shall we wait in the front yard until the bush starts burning all on its own? Or should we also use the tools of discernment and, and, and wisdom and, and, and direction that, 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 that God has given to us about understanding the ministry and, and, and listening and seeing someone's character and their fit for ministry? Um, like, it is not an either-or. It is a both-and... However, understand that they did not make a movement forward before they earnestly inquired with the Lord, Lord, show us whom you have chosen. We don't want this to just be who we think the best candidate is, we want... we. Not only do we want to hear from you, but Lord, we must hear from you. We need to hear from you. We are we are reliant on hearing from you. This is this is your position. This is your person. We must hear. And so, if we were to put it in maybe a, a super applicable understanding, they use both a um, as primary concern. Asking the Lord for his direction and his discernment on the decisions that they make. But they also used the practical tools available to them as they understood them to make a decision that they felt was godly and spirit-filled. They did both. And so we shall do both as well. Here's maybe my here's maybe my bigger point. I think everyone naturally understands that there are both like significant spiritual dynamics to making a hire like that, and also significant practical dynamics to making a hire like that. I think we're all kind of on the same page naturally about that. But my point here is this: is that is that when if I have failed to lead us in the act of corporate prayer, then, then, then what I have effectively done is, is um, covered our corporate ears to recognize most faithfully the voice of the Lord when He is speaking to us about whom He has chosen. Right? It, is, it is necessary that we, that we exercise our relationship with the Spirit of God together in prayer so that when He does speak, we recognize His voice. If you're a parent, you understand this perfectly. You could be sitting in this room and in a room down a hallway there could be 30 kids, right? and there could be lots of noise in this room and there could be lots of noise in that room right but when your kid cries you know it right you because your your ear one is attuned to the voice of your child but three but but number 2 is that you have you have taken the time to Um, you have taken the time to understand the familiarity of the voice so even when the rest of the room, the rest of the building is loud and chaotic, you hear very clearly. And when the rest of our lives are very chaotic, and when the rest of our lives are very noisy, and when there's a lot of white noise in our lives, if we don't attune our ears through the spiritual discipline of regular prayer, Right. If we don't tune our ears, it will be very difficult, if not next to impossible, for us to discern the voice of the Lord when it comes through. It's not that the Lord is not speaking, ever. It is that we, we have not we are not accustomed to His voice. We are not a, we are not accustomed to we are not a, a, accustomed to the the um, whisper. What do we say Lord? Lord, make it like Lord, I want you to just hit me across the head with a brick. I want you to, you know, like just make it so loud, Lord. And and how does the Lord how does the Lord often he whispers. It's a still small voice. Why? Because you don't scream at someone that you're standing right next to. The Lord whispers because He's close. If He's yelling at you, it's because you're really far away. Okay? My... Confession is that I have not led us well enough in this. My commitment is to lead us better in this. (laughs) Okay? Um, I um, do not totally know practically what that will look like yet. However, um, a fantastic start is um, is going to be like me telling you um, right now that I, um, as your pastor and as your leader, am calling the corporate body of the church to gather and pray on Tuesday nights. It has happened every Tuesday night for a long time. A year. There you have it. <laughs> um, to gather and pray Tuesday nights. Leadership team, we meet on Tuesday nights. We will be praying on Tuesday nights now. On the nights that we are here, we will be we will be um, we will be praying with the body. And, and then we will do our business. Um, and we're going to be gathering here in this room. And if you are um, unable to make it together in this room, we're going we're gonna to leverage the tools, the practical tools that we have at our resources, and we will, al- also, um, we will also stream it on, it'll also be on Zoom so you can pray with us as well. And we will together as a body be in corporate prayer um, for, this, for, for the search for this person, of course. Um, but, but, we're, but, but my commitment is not to make this a thing that we do when we're feeling the urgency of a decision, but to make this a regular rhythm and pattern of our life together, to be in corporate prayer, to be in one voice, to be in um, to, to learn to listen to and attune our ears to the voice of God, to the Spirit of God. Um, so for me to invite you seems a little weak (laughs) I am calling you to it Uh, commit to this with us that we would pray together Our lives together are they are bound by many things. Our, our lives together um, in church here are bound together, um, bound together primarily through our faith in Jesus Christ. That is not primarily, we are bound together by our faith in Jesus Christ. That is the thing that we are bound together in. Right? And and the common link that we have then with each other, um, the, like the, the, the binding thing, right, is the, um, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, right? So that is the, like we, we, we each have common faith, and so then it's like the Holy Spirit becomes like the, like in chemistry, the, the chemical bond between two elements. Like the Holy Spirit becomes the bond, the Holy Spirit in Bryce and the Holy Spirit in me becomes the thing that binds us and bonds us together as brothers and across, right, across the body. And those, 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 um, those binds cannot be broken, Amen. right? That they are that they are strong and tight. And one of the things that we do when we come together is um, we come together and we celebrate and we worship and we. Pray, and we hear from the Lord, and we we remember. Right, communion is one of those things that we do um, as a corporate body to remember the work of Jesus Christ, the call of faith. much about life and um, so much about faith is mystery. Uh, and and we, we tend to want to work really hard um, in like a post-enlightenment society to rid the world of all mystery, including our relationship with God. We don't want there to be any mystery in our relationship with God. We want to completely understand down to the down to the dotting the last I and crossing the last T, the unsearchable riches of the glory and majesty of God. We want to be able to like lay it all out in our heads so that we get it, right? <laughs> like, um, I don't remember what I had for breakfast, right? Um, grasping and understanding the unsearchable riches and mystery of the one who created all things. Um, we had to come to a point where we say that wrapped up in wrapped up in the very nature and character of the God that we serve and that has created everything is understandably mystery and so and so we receive by faith the nature of his character that is mysterious and that and then we receive And then we receive with, with joy also the nature of his character that he has revealed to us, right? And he has revealed to us how loving he is. And he has revealed to us grace. And he has revealed to us mercy. And he has revealed to us forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And he has revealed and revealed and revealed and revealed and revealed and revealed and revealed. And then there are things that are like mysterious. And I confess to sometimes oversimplifying and trying to explain very, in a very detailed way the mystery of what Jesus offers to us and how, and how the, the death of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and then the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what the heavenly formula is that, that got worked out that it somehow affects my eternal destiny. Something that Jesus did. And so there is a measure of the majesty and work of Jesus Christ that I receive by faith. That I receive, I receive forgiveness. And I, rec- and I am reconciled to God. And I am I am I am washed clean of my sins through the through the the ministry, the work, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I don't totally understand the mystery of that, but I I choose to believe it by faith and receive it from God as he offers it to me. And then this crazy thing that happens is that when I when I when I express my faith in God to receive it the holy spirit begins to confirm and affirm god's pleasure in me and and communion is one of those like mysterious things that we that we express and that we receive by faith like really lord what is the purpose of the bread and the cup you really just want me to remember that's it Just text me. (laughs) Okay, I remember. Thanks. But no, there seems to be something heavenly, spiritual, mysterious. It seems to be a means of God once again communicating His grace, His love, His forgiveness to us, when we, when we do a tactile thing like breaking the bread and, and drinking the cup, we, we feel it, we, we taste it, we internalize it, right? And we receive it. And as far as my education may go, as far as my experience may go, as far as my understanding may go, it stops at the boundaries of of Holy Spirit mystery. And then I just receive. So I'm I'm inviting you this morning. I'm inviting you into the mystery. I'm I'm inviting you to into the into the mystery of the heavens, into the, the mystery of God's Spirit into the mystery of the offering to you of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, broken and shed for the forgiveness of your sins. That by expressing faith in Jesus Christ, by receiving the gift that He offers you in Himself, you too may be cleansed of all of your unrighteousness, And may be welcomed into his family. The gifts of bread and cup are not reserved for those who have um, this amount of experience or this amount of understanding or this amount of knowledge or know exactly theologically what it means, right? God offers himself to all. He offers the gift of Jesus to all without qualification, without requirement, and how you choose to receive it, either by faith or in a Lord, I'm still I'm embracing your mystery, trying to find you. Lord, reveal yourself to me. Like God's man, like God's grace meets you there as well. Um, I'm going to pray over, um, over these elements. If I could have a couple people that would help me, just take a basket and go on each side. Um, and then um, we'll have the band come up too, if you would. Go ahead and take one. Polly? Devin, you've go. you got to be up there. Heavenly Father, we are your people. Lord, may we be one as you are one. May we embrace, Lord, our identity as a people called by you. together this morning, Lord, in one voice we come worshiping you with childlike faith and a childlike heart. Longing, Lord, for purity. Longing for holiness. Lord, longing to hear from you, not because we want the blessing of hearing from you, Lord, but because we want the fellowship of hearing with you. Lord that we would be a people who hear your voice, Lord. Lord, where where we have failed, Father, please forgive us. Lord, where I have failed, Lord, please forgive me. Lord, may we walk anew with you? Not in just a season of prayer, Lord, but in a rhythm of prayer where it becomes the heartbeat and life, the breath, Lord of your church. Lord, may the sounds of prayer burst from this place, Lord. In a in a heavenly language, Father, that that you hear. That 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 moves, Lord, spiritual forces in this world, in this city, Lord. Father, that that in, in our prayer, Lord, that, that spiritual forces would, Lord, that, the, that darkness would flee. That the enemy, Lord, would be put on notice once again. Lord, that the light of God, the light of life, the presence, presence and power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit owns this town. Lord, and that we, your people, will scream from the rooftops down to the depths of our soul, Lord, of your glory and your mercy. Lord, we thank you for this gift this morning of bread and cup. Lord, you have offered us forgiveness. Forgiveness through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Lord, and though I do not understand it, I receive it by faith. In humility and thankfulness. Longing, Lord, to know you more. Father, may we receive it as a means of grace to us as an expression of worship. Jesus took the bread and he gave it to his disciples and he broke it and he said, take and eat all of you. This is my body which has been given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks to his heavenly father for the cup. Then he gave the cup to his disciples and said, Take and drink of this cup, all of you. This is my blood which has been poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of, my, of your sins. Do it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, we receive the gift that you have offered to us in Jesus Christ by faith for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord, knowing that the work of Jesus Christ is perfectly and fully sufficient, Lord, to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, and to unite us in fellowship with you now and into eternity. Amen. Just stand and worship with us.